Hey, welcome back to Book Nation, and I am Nell Coakley. I'm Chris Stevens. Oh my God, so I'm super excited. I mean, we're always excited about having guests in the studio. We're pretty excited that anybody even shows up to be on our podcast, so yeah. So we're, stuff. yeah. So Chris and I recently read a book called A Frost in Hell, and it's the true story of, and I'm going to mess up, the, I'm going to butcher the name myself, so I'm not going to say it, but our special guest today is Doug V.B. Gowdy. He's the author, and some of you know Doug from Boston Radio, and uh, he has a running column in our uh, Tritown Transcript newspaper, so you're probably reading that, but we're not going to butcher the name. We're going to have Doug actually Well, we know it. there's no sham in Peter Sham. Peter, Peter, is it Peter? Peter, 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 Peter Sam. Peter, Peter Sam. Yep. Okay. Two, men, two men's first names, yes. I would have never guessed, but I do <laughs> no, want to tell you, I have never heard of this town except for Doug's book, and this week we were we have a Chapter 70 fund, which is education funds, and um, I was reading through it, and look, there it was, right there. Wow. What the money it gets, and I was like, I have never heard of this town, now I've heard of it twice in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so this was great. I, this was great fun. Actually, thank you, thank about, you. Which, considering it's about you know a murder, it's probably shouldn't be. So, so Peter Peter fun, Sam Butcher of 1875. Of 1875. But it really it really was. Um, so Doug, Chris and I spent some time like as we were reading your book, like we we're texting each other or emailing yeah. each and other. Like, did we're you, like, did you get to this part yet? Uh, thank you. <laughs> and it was like so That's much fun. We kept the entire time. We're like. I think Matt Damon needs to do oh, this. Yeah, she movie. was totally passing, <laughs> yeah. she was passing the movie. Let me know how that works. I'd I love know, yeah. Well, it kinda it kinda makes her the perfect Cohen brother movie is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Sort of yeah. Um, I was casting it the entire time. I was. I yeah, was like, and totally I can see was. this person in this role. <laughs> we need to get this to Matt Damon. Are you listening, Matt Damon? <laughs> <laughs> it's local, you never know, you never know. So um, so Ted, take us take us from the beginning. I'm sure you get the same questions all the time, but so you I know in um, you allude, I think it's in the acknowledgments again, which I I tend to read all of I those. I read all those, yeah. But you don't understand well, I'll stop you right there before okay. you do any like when any writer will tell you this, but when you write the acknowledgments, you just assume nobody's reading. <laughs> But so I always like my mom's in there, and I know my mom's gonna read it, so I better spell it right because she was an English teacher. But I'm like, did anybody read those? We but do. we read introductions yeah, and acknowledgments. We're those, kind of, we're those people. Those people. Yeah. That's funny you said that, Nell, because I've had a debate with some of my author friends who are much more successful than I am, who said, "Don't write introductions, and you better punch them in the mouth right off the bat, or else they're not gonna read the book." A lot of people will read the first three pages and be done with it. But for me, the way I write, uh, this is my second book. Both books are sort of personal, and I'm writing them for myself because no one else wrote these books, but I wanted to read them, and so finally I'll just write them. <laughs> but the introduction is the, the why, and if I don't get you by the end of the why, put it back on the shelf. Like, it's not for you. That's what I liked about it because it totally, it totally set it up, and I could just picture I – I grew up in small town, New Hampshire, so I grew up I in a totally small town in the Midwest. So You both know it. I, yeah. So you, we all know in cold blood, right? Yeah, but I. Oh yeah. This is, for lack of a bad, in no way is this in cold blood, but it's a similar type of story. Like, well, how does this happen where nothing where ever nothing happens? Ever happened, and what yeah. was the circumstance around it? Yeah. We all love true crime. We all love sure. murder stories that aren't quite so fresh, but this right? this is not only like a murder story. It's a freaky, it's like the weirdest, freakiest thing. Like, how did this guy think he was going to get away with it? Because he just thought he was so smart. He was like the dumbest, he's like America's dumbest butcher and crooks. <laughs> Except that, like, one of the things I love about history is, like, when you realize, 
when you look at history, like we we were talking before now about uh, the the new movie out about Bonnie and Clyde, right. although it's not really about Bonnie and Clyde. But oh, if I you, just watched it the other night, Highwaymen. Yes, yeah, so can't wait to see it. So that. one of the things you get from the Highwaymen, if you think about mm-hmm. it, is so those guys were taking selfies long before selfies was a yeah. thing, right? Like. The more you know about, and same same story too. Like how in this little area of Louisiana, because where where else? Where else? Why not? Yeah. It yeah. it's everywhere. Every sure. town has a story. Every town has a history, and these stories should be told, and they yeah. should be. No one ever. Did you ever heard of the Highwaymen? No. You got to know those guys. No, no, yeah. and, and the, Samuel J. Frost is another one. You should know who this guy is. So, so was so, it really that one line that was mm-hmm. like buried deep in this? It's the name of the book. So the, it's called A Frost in Hell because when he was about to be hanged for the crime that he committed, they said, you got any last words? This, so the story goes. And he said, yeah, there'll be a frost in hell tonight. And everybody in the little town. I love that. So Peter Sam is the town that I grew up in in Central Mass. It's like 80 miles west of Boston, really roughly. Right in the middle of the yeah. Rutland's like the epicenter <laughs> of Massachusetts, and Peter Sam's just a little north of there. <laughs> And it's like right here, and we're just a step above. Yeah, pretty much. It's like 25 minutes north of Worcester, and uh, you know, you're from New Hampshire. Peter Sam is like 20 minutes south of the New Hampshire border. It's very New Hampshire y. Yeah. I went to prep school in upstate New Hampshire, and I'm like, this is Peter Sam. Yeah. I know I'm two hours away, really but very similar. Kind of where we are. Yeah. And this is a town that nothing is ever. It, incorporated in 1754 but i'm telling you there's nothing that's ever happened there (laughs) so when i did my first book part of that challenge was can i do a book and then you know i finished one mistakes and different things i would do if i had to go back but then i said am i going to try another one if so is there any is there anything i could tell about the town that i loved that i grew up in and i came to you now and i thought to myself but doesn't everybody love a murder story i i vaguely heard of one but i doubt i could do it because there was no newspaper in town this town's sure, always been that's too what small I was ask you, the research must have been amazing. that thing you're looking at right there the computer changed everything i couldn't have written this book even 15 years ago you know, it's funny eric dolan said the same thing when yeah. he was talking but because he used tri- he, transcripts for his um it changes everything and a lot yeah, of stuff amazing. like all those documents were as yeah. he told us they were really really like buried and he was able to like look at stuff in england from like the 17 yeah. or even if it's just uh, the computer helps so much in terms of sending you in the right direction yes. to find documents, okay. whether they're online or not. But you know they just was. tell you where to go. I, there's a place in Boston I'd never heard of, wouldn't know of it, but they had something that I needed here, and you would have never known. And without it, was the trial transcript, which I was told was 37 pages, and it took me quite a while. And it, it took a researcher who, for some reason, decided this was going to be his cause. God bless him, <laughs> and. Anyway, he pointed me in the direction. We finally found the trial transcript, and the 37-page transcript turned out to be 737 pages. Well, the, well, the wow. one guy had a six-hour speech, right? Yeah. Like, That's got uh-huh. more than 37 pages right there. Which, again, gets back to the history thing. So like, take like a Johnny Cochran, for example, or I don't care, whatever attorney that you see on TV today mm-hmm. and how big and grandstanding. They're, eh, no different in 1875. These guys knew the world was yeah. watching, and they were going to put on a show, and yeah. they were... Because not only are they trying to sell you, but they're also trying to sell the next guy. Who, yeah. Hey, that, that guy was, really was good. Yeah. So let's stop for a second and just go back and, and, and give our, our listeners a, yeah. uh, 
an overview of what what the book's about. So what's the book about? Set Start the there. July 4th, 1875. It's like a joke, right? July 4th. July. The 4th of July. Well, July 4th, 1875, uh, two men walk into a barn. Only one, a, a barn. A barn. Yeah. Two men walk into a barn and only one comes out. And what went on in that barn? Um, we only know so much, but somebody got killed in that barn. Was he murdered or was it self-defense? And then what happened to him? I mean, and as it turns out, we find out that they were brothers-in-law, the man that was accused of killing him, who's Mr. Frost, the namesake of the title. And it was his brother-in-law, who was also his best friend, that ended up dead in the barn. Isn't that weird, right? (laughs) Yeah, and we don't know for sure, but Frost tells a very different story than the prosecutors, obviously, and you have to decide what you believe and what you don't believe, but... My own thought is that Frost was just, you'll pardon the pun from the book cover, but he was sort of at his rope's end. They, yeah. they had four kids. He had finally convinced his wife that let's, I'm tired of being a shoe cutter. Let's do our own thing. Let's run this farm. And he found out real quick he wasn't a farmer. Yeah. And I don't. And they had a history, too, of like yeah, doing a lot of other. All over the place. And I, oh, yeah, they moved around. They moved lot, around. Which is crazy for the time, too. But she stuck by him. And she said, if, if you say so, we're going to do this. And she was a loyal wife from everything that we can tell. <laughs> until right the end. Until the end. Right which right is end. why he was always bitter. Because yeah. he thought he knew who she was. Yeah. And when he put her in a spot, she wasn't what he thought. And that hurt him. And that was what the number one interesting <laughs> thing for me in this is that. If this happened in 2019, this would have been a much more predictable story. But in 1875, what was expected of women, and in particular wives, was not what it is today. And she took a tremendous amount of criticism and uh, judgment over what she volunteered about her husband and people were not some people were not happy with her others were and she it's was right out there when, with the questions they're like did he do it and she's like oh yeah he did. without her they have nothing yeah, yeah. she yeah. connects she all of it and she was she, they the made the point this. she didn't need to and some people said it was her duty not to and according to to transcripts or to your writing i mean she didn't hesitate she her her family came for i'm her immediate family, I guess. Her brother. Her brother came first. Yeah, that was really interesting. It seems like she knew right off something was squirrely. Yeah. I don't think she liked being lied to. And I don't think she he liked wasn't the such expectation. A good liar. On him. No, he wasn't. Some people are good liars. Yeah, Other, I know. This guy he was not good at thinking on his feet. No. <laughs> but no. He wasn't. This is so it's funny. I I've talked to a lot of uh, some of the people in my acknowledgments about the book, for example, and one of them said to me, Am I supposed to feel sorry for that guy? And I said, No. But one of the things that I think that other people disagree with me on is that I don't think even up until the moment he committed the act, I don't think he wanted to. I really think he convinced himself that there was no other way out. And I think I didn't I almost wrote it this way. I I didn't because I don't know for sure. But I picture him after this is done going to the door of the barn and vomiting all over because I don't think. He could believe he did it, and I don't think he wanted to do it, which is why he was scrambling from the second uh, it That's happened. That's so weird. That's Because I don't think he, he thought it through. Well, I, I get that. I mean, I, I can agree with that because you talk about the, the fact that he was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. I had one chance. I let it go. I got to do it today. And The whole time yeah. Chris and I were like sort of emailing 
like what how why do you think he did it where are we going to get to the motive what's yeah, the motive you you, you keep us you waiting you really keep <laughs> us got to keep you to that trial right i mean the whole time yeah. i kept going what like what it, what could his motive be what is this is this guy just playing uh, insane so come back to money what did he do <laughs> what is really going on here it was so bizarre yeah. like his his sort of and i always wonder why he did it see i think just and it seems an odd sort of reason to do it. I, again, I don't think he was the smartest man in the world, one, two. I always wondered, the the two, he and his brother-in-law, sort of a lot of like a, of mice and men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank was a very tall guy, sort of overdeveloped, a big underjaw, kind of, but gentle giant from all we can tell, okay. although they tried to pin him as a violent guy. It doesn't appear that he was. And I think Samuel Frost kind of looked out for him. And I think it was a love-hate. Certain days he loved him, certain days yeah. he didn't kind of thing. I, I will forever wonder why he didn't just go to him and say, hey, look, yeah. I'm screwed I if can't, I yeah, can't. Because I think he would have said, let's go. Yeah, let me yeah. help I think you. it would have been okay. Yeah. yeah, that was the thing that killed me the most. Uh, killed me. Uh, struck me the most about everything, like the transcripts and the whole trial and everything is what you just said. Like, I think the guy would have said, well, then let's just sell some animals or let me help you. Because I don't think he, he didn't come off as the kind of brother who would have been like, ah, let yeah. my sister and the four kids starve. Right. Live with right. him on the farm. Yeah. He seemed like, yeah, I, he probably would have helped him out. I do like the fact that, um, or I do appreciate, I don't know if you appreciate, the fact that um, he, he was committed, though. Samuel was committed. I mean, once he did it, it was on. Committed, it yeah. was on, and he stuck to it. Maybe not well. I mean, he moved the body a few times, but I mean, he stuck to this his story. Well, he just said he stuck to not, his. And it's not is, funny, but you sort of picture him scrambling around in the middle of the night with not getting going, it done. Where do I go now? What do and I, I do? I never now? found all of them, right? Chris is obsessed with the lights. I know. I want to know what the lakes are. <laughs> I can take you to the area, but I He's totally obsessed. It's really weird. Uh, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but he. he Ultimately, what makes this case so interesting at the time and why so much was written about it, thank God, is that he butchers him, hence the nickname, the yeah. Peterson Butcher, after the fact to hide him. And they find the upper torso and they find the head and shoulders. They never find the legs. The, the sheriff was obsessed with it, kept going back. He was and he never could character. find him. He's a book. He's another one. He is. If I had, yeah. I got to hit the Powerball first, but then I'm doing a book on him because he's got a number of cases in his life. That is, this the, is this the guy who Bothwell? Sheriff Bothwell. Yeah, yeah. He was, I thought he was very interesting. I loved the letter he wrote at the end. I was like, good for you. <laughs> yeah. They there's a number again. It's weird because you know small town Central Mass. These guys don't do this sort of thing. This happened in Boston all the time, but. Some guys step up when this stuff happens, yeah. and there are sort of heroes here, and yeah. there are guys. And then there's no nonsense guys. They just sit across the table like we are, and he's talking to him, saying, "Look, I don't care, man. This is what's going to happen." Yeah, and, I know. and that's how they were. There's a lot of coincidental things, like the guy who actually stumbled on the body. He had never been out there. He'd never been on that piece of property ever. One day you're out there and you just stumble across something like that. And he was, I think he was the only, if not he was one of the only, a small town, but there were probably about 1,200 people that lived in the town at that time. He was one of, if not the only African-American in the town. He finds the body. What I found really unusual about this is, again, you think Boston, Chuck Stewart case, sure. for example, you... It never happened here. It never happened here, and nobody would have bought it either. He was a star witness. And yes, I said nobody really. No, nobody raised that issue. Nobody even raised an eyebrow. It was just like, oh, no, but you found that, out at that point. I feel like 
some people were already suspicious anyway. Oh, yeah. That was just a sort ton. of confirmation. Well, he wasn't so good at the lying. I mean, he was not a good liar. Again, he wasn't a good liar. Mm-hmm. I went, you know, he went to, did he say he went to Worcester? Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole weird thing, like, maybe I did go here. Maybe I saw him there. Did you see him here? But yeah, I saw him there. It was like his whole, like, he yeah. couldn't keep that story straight. He should have written it down. I mean, he should have practiced it in his head. Because he just had a different answer for everything, and you just, the whole thing fell apart right from the beginning. Well, one thing I try to let people know, and I keep doing it as as I think about it, is like Peter Sam is such a, I always tell people this, Peter Sam, when I was growing up, had population like 900, and there was a couple of nunneries in town, so it was really like 700. I know. (laughs) That was three, actually. Yeah. So... It's but the story we're always told, which is accurate, is Peter Sam is the second biggest town area wise in the Commonwealth. Plymouth wow. is first, okay. if you even consider Plymouth a town, but they do. So so we have this huge swath of land and nobody living there. So there's a house here. Trust me, at Halloween time it wasn't great. You had to yeah. run to get to the next yeah. house. I, I, I told you, I know. <laughs> but so these guys are very isolated on their own farm in a quiet section, and within that life he rules the roost and you don't question him and that's how life was in 1875 anyway the father of the husband is sure. the man yeah. and when the, he says enough it's enough I think what he thought was look I'm going to do this thing I'm going to get rid of the body and if there's no body there's no crime in 1875 and he was pretty close to pulling that off I yeah, mean we yeah. say he's stupid but he wasn't that far off his big mistake was the first movie made which was putting it under the barn to figure out yeah. what to do when they went that was not a good to movie. church if he just took it threw that body over the horse and said, get out. Yeah. Like, he might have had a shot. But as I told a friend of mine when I was writing, I'm like, I got to remind myself I'm not rooting for the guy. I don't know why I keep <laughs> coming up with this. But uh, do this? <laughs> I don't think he ever, he wasn't used to being questioned. And yeah. so when he was questioned, there's a pretty pivotal scene in here where he goes to tell the selectman what's going to happen, and yes, the selectman gets that. up in his face and he doesn't have much because he only thought, like, I'll say what's going to happen and it is going to happen because that's the way it was at the house. But no, there's a great big world out there that he didn't know. And that pushed back on him. So It seemed to start right from the beginning, though, like when he came in the house with the bucket. <laughs> Which was the dumbest thing he ever, of key. all of it. There's no reason to have brought that she in. She right away was like, what's going on? And he was like, nothing. And I think, like, you're married to somebody for a long time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Know. She knew something was off. And she knew when her when her brother didn't come back, like he ran away. That's your story. Yeah, which he would not have done. I mean, that's just not the nature no, of the guy. He He'd never done it before. So yeah. suspicious. Yeah. Right from the beginning. So you got this guy who he's from New Hampshire, by the way. Originally, yeah, that's where his right. family's I know, from. I was waiting to see where New Hampshire he was from. <laughs> but um, and he's buried up there. They took him back, but that's I couldn't. The, the small town that he's in has their online is. Had to send in a written letter to get a request, and no one knew. Um, my guess is he's in a plot with his family, and there's no marker to him. Probably. Whatever. But he uh, – and the brother is – the irony is the one that got killed is the only one still in Peter Sam, and it's not all of them yet, but yeah. all, she's in Haverhill. Oh, really? Yeah, because the four kids all grew up. 
and uh, they lived in Peterson for quite a while. Then they, they all sort of moved, and she ends up back in Haverhill, where one of the sons is. She, she dies in New Hampshire in a uh, mental institution. Oh. Kind of went crazy in the in her seventies, yeah, and they moved why. her back. I know. I can't imagine. Yeah, you, well, who knows if she was? We're talking like nineteen thirteen, like yeah, crazy got true. pinned on a lot of people that's for a true. lot of reasons. Well, he has this, and, and BB has this great sort of photo of, of Frank Towns, and I love how they kept getting his name wrong. Like yeah, the newspapers kept getting, getting his name. It's not a complicated town yeah. name, right? But <laughs> Frank, he was, and, and, and neither was. Neither was Samuel Frost's name. They were all like different. But there's this great photo of the grave that he has. Well, that cemetery is so small. There's probably 30 stones in there, maybe. And it. I grew up in that town, and I kind of do gravestones. When you're in a quiet town, sometimes you wander and you start to learn. I'd never been in that one. The first day I went out to get that photo, about a mile from there, my GPS went out. Because in Petersam, it's like FM radio. You lose it. And I had a, I couldn't find it, so I had to go home. And my wife was none too pleased. The next time I went out, I had written down exactly. You would never find that. If I, this is the kind of thing that they do on those TV shows where it's like scavenger hunt. You got to find this cemetery. Good luck. And you'll notice the stone is pushed because there's a big oak tree, and the the root is actually underneath it, and it's pushing it up. But yeah, you find that in a lot of the old cemeteries. Yeah. Yeah. What was like? What was your favorite part about writing this book? I'll give you two things. One is I was shocked. When you're in Peter Sam, the fact that anyone would ever hear of you is like, what? So the fact that the Boston papers, at the time the Post was the big paper in Boston, uh, the Globe had just come around, but the fact that that was on page one, yeah, it's... the first time they reference it, they, the guy literally says, thanks to Frost for letting I us know Peter Sam exists. Right but I thought that was hilarious. So it is funny. For, and if you're from Peter Sam, you get that. Yeah. But then he he's on the front. Like, they got fascinated with this case. And it wasn't just the Boston paper. I mean, All across like, the country. That's, I mean... Yeah. The not South. Like they, not like they had the internet. I mean, how did they... The San Francisco paper, yeah. when I speak about this, and I've had more people from Peter Sam, that's the one that gets them because and I'm crazy. with them. Like, it is nutty that the Peter Sam, a Peter Sam tragedy, it says on page one of the San Francisco Chronicle, that has never happened again, yeah. I can assure you. I absolutely loved looking at the covers that you have of the old papers yeah. and the old times. See, you're newspaper men, or right. women, for yeah. lack of a better term. But we all, I, I could... My wife says that her biggest nightmare is if I ever stumble across a box of old newspapers because she knows I'm gone for a yeah. week. Who can't flip those things and just oh, love it's, it? This, it's this so, but they wrote so well, and yeah. it was great. Great stuff. Oh, yeah, they wrote it so differently. Than but so brutal. To I'm stunned at the some of the detail that they put yes. into print yes. and you the lack of... Did you think of some of the horrible murders and deaths that have happened within the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Or any? There's one in South Carolina today that's just, oh, my God, it's so gruesome. I can't imagine putting that kind of detail in a newspaper like that happened here and that yeah. loved ones are reading this and I, everyone I was, is. I was reading your, your – when I was reading – right off the book, you had me because I started reading it and I'm like, the execu- and it starts out with – the execution, yeah. and you're going along. Which is very smart. If <laughs> chapter one doesn't get you, then I'm done. I always yeah, tell people no. that. But yeah. don't you? It's it's very much like la da da, and here's what we did in the morning, and here's what we did. We prayed to God, and then we got to the thing, and then the news, and then all of a sudden you just now we got to turn. My favorite yeah. line, and then all hell broke loose. Yeah. 
And I'm like, what happened? What? What happened? What was it? Just, well, it's funny you guys mentioned, it. you know, the movie or whatever, and I thank you. <laughs> but that that scene, I can just picture it where literally they do, they the sheriff builds something to ensure silence. Yeah. Yeah. And in that yeah, moment, steps. Yeah. in that moment, he gets everything he wants. But, you know, if ever there was the calm before the storm, there's that split sec. It's like the moment a fish takes the bait and thinks he just had breakfast, you yeah. know? And then the fisherman pulls on it. Well... He gets his moment of silence, and he thinks his job is done. Little does he know we're about to take a whole different. And just imagine that scene. I know. I don't want to give too much away, but these people. This is there's no TV, right? There's no movies. There's no special effects. We're a little numb to this stuff in 2019. In 1875, which is why when the sheriff says anybody wants to get out, and they just ran <laughs> out of there because they could not believe what yeah. they just saw. Who could? But you and the funny thing is that you never really describe what they saw. And you don't well, I try it. to let them uh, the the writing at the time. Look, this is what they said. This is how they did it. The Baltimore Sun that article in particular. The Baltimore Sun one. It's just hard to do yeah, better than that, I no, think. So I didn't want to embellish it in any way. Wasn't it? It was like, you yeah. know, Doug never really, like, you don't say. You let the newspaper say, and you're just reading it. I'm like, well, oh, it can't be that bad. Suffice so, to say that the execution doesn't go well. And then Worcester the, Daily Spy, by the way, it has the best name. Yes, I know. <laughs> that was the first paper in, this, in the country, really. But... They they write it and then they point out that after everything has gotten so messed up, they still send the doctor over to check yeah, the I heart. To check him. Like, are we really doing this? Like, I think we're pretty sure. We make and he official. actually says, in fact, there were seven doctors. Which is crazy. Check the remains. Really? Yeah. Right. yeah. You know how it is. Like, Paperwork, right? Like, so you know? But the second thing that got me was just, like, the first day in court in Worcester, the gathering of impressive men that all were there because of the most unimpressive man. Yeah. Frost yeah. is, an, and I don't mean him, but he's nobody. He's a farmer. And he's you've got... Every day. I, Not every day. The judge presiding, I would argue, is one of the 50 greatest people Massachusetts ever produced. Yep. There's a statue of him in Worcester. It's a who's who of It life. is. It is. I do like, when you, when it's I was like the dream it, I was like, team of... The least impressive guy was the rich... He ended up being the richest guy, and he only wasn't more impressive because his father-in-law died and said, you have to take over my multi-million dollar company. I mean, he's the least impressive of the group. Yeah, I was... Yeah, it, was, I was it was kind of like the, the OJ trial, wasn't it? Yeah. That Except that OJ right. was somebody, right? right. Like this these, this guy's nobody. nobody. But because it's a capital offense, and they were gonna go for the death penalty, they took this stuff seriously, yeah. and they said, they "We are really going did. to get the best because we will not be second guessed." Yeah. And they, man, did they dot the i's and cross the t's. Oh, it was like the, it was like Chris was like uh, Chris was emailing me. Did you get to the lawyers yet? Have you seen the lawyers? Have you seen the lawyers? Aren't they impressive <laughs> though? She's like, "Have impressive. you read the prosecutors?" I was like, "No, I haven't gotten there yet." But. But yes. that's the other thing that impressed me is that while obviously it's the last of its kind in Worcester County, mm -hmm, right. uh, but it has a first of its kind in the Commonwealth ever. And when that happens, the most learned of all, the guy that turned down an appointment on the Supreme Court, because yeah. the Supreme Court right. wasn't then what it is now, but he didn't want to move. The judge looks to him like, what are you thinking here? He's the Attorney General of the Commonwealth, and he shrugs his shoulders. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's when they knew they okay <laughs> this isn't going to be quite as run a mill as we thought these guys aren't joking and they they had to settle this thing and, so and they did they, they also had um oh i wish i could find it but 
as you will know, it, it was the, the first thing that the first the first of its kind was that they just had a rule. Yeah, this is it. That's the change of venue change request. Of venue. Was just gonna no, say the change venue. They wrote it, yeah. but no one ever did it. I know. I love that. And when he gets up and says, we're going to need this, everyone looks around like, what is he even talking about? Yeah. The guy has to read the statute. And then they that. don't they know what to do. Right there on the right spot. There, right, right there. there. <laughs> but it's a great interpretation, yeah, though. It was a great interpretation. I was like, but he so lost. He should have won. So he, was, he was right. They needed attention. Venue. It was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like sensationalist lawyering of the 1800s. Like, we're just going to throw this out and see if it works. Yeah. And had it, who knows what would have happened. I, I kept thinking, would it, would it have worked today? The change? And I think no, because we've had so many of those yeah. sensationalistic trials. I don't think they realized the political climate they were in. And I only, this was, I debated a lot when I wrote the book. I only did one chapter on it. It's even a half a chapter. But the governor of the Commonwealth was in such a position at the time. Oh, yeah, you were explaining all that. Had they gotten the change of venue, it yep. would have pushed that back by enough that I think he may have gotten this day. They did not like killing people. They didn't do it regularly. That I, was a fascinating It's a misconception. Yeah, I only did a half a chapter. That was a great... I love the way you sort of gave that backstory. And um, I was like, here's a, here we're gonna, I'm going to tell you that you have that likability. You're you like, Jesse I'm going yeah. to tell you... Well, that's a I'm crazy I'm going to tell one. you that's this story, story to tell you this one. But yeah. I had to tell you this one first. But it's all connected in the end. It is all connected. And the fact that the governor only ran for a one-year term, I didn't know that. I didn't know and that they would run them, boy. They were on you. Yeah. Like, you think now, like, people are crazy about their politics. But one bad mistake, the guy before him got run. That was it. Yeah. And they weren't messing around. He didn't come back either. So you know what else I loved was Doug has this whole chapter called The Leftovers. So it's like all the cute little stuff. Thank you. I almost took it out. I I almost took it out. You had all this like, here's some fascinating tidbits from the trial. That was good. Like the cat that just (laughs) mysteriously like showed up. The girl who was in the house. Well, what was she doing there? It's so crazy. And I could, no other mention of her ever. Ever. No mention at all. She's got typhoid. And she's in, and she's in their house. Kids. And it just so happens to be the two weeks she's there is at the two weeks where they're, the, the like, doors are closing. Her family's weird. like, Amelia has typhoid. Let's send her to someone else's house for the two weeks and hope she gets better. And we don't know how. Uh, my speculation die? is she knew her through the church. But yeah. I don't know. And somebody yeah. said, look, you want a couple of bucks? We got to get her well, but I don't want her in the house yeah. in the meantime. Like, Doug, like, the whole time I kept going, yeah. what happened to Amelia? That was my And I never, so you know what happens die? there? I, you know why I can't tell you that? Two reasons. One is I'd have to, you know, kill you, obviously. But also, <laughs> she lives in one of the four towns that in the 1930s gets destroyed by the Quab, and they wipe them off the face of the earth, and their records are very hard to find. Really? She's wow. from one of the Danas, and they're mm-hmm. go- North Dana and Dana are gone. And so some of the records are preserved, but they're all in these giant boxes yeah. and where, and you don't know what yeah, you're. So I don't, I can't find her. Wow. I don't know what became of her. I would love to know. Crazy. I want to know. Did she grow up and live a good long life, or did she die at 15? I don't know. Yeah. And then there's a the whole thing about the widow Snow, who <laughs> I love that. Her story. husband's a famous. No she was a here. celebrity at the time because of who her husband was, yeah. who was a nutty, eccentric guy. Like they need to have a celebrity in the trial so they get her to come out and say. And nothing. they asked her nothing, nothing. but she was there. And can't you just picture her walking in like? Did Hello. you know Frank Town? <laughs> yes, I did. And okay, that's it. thank and you. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, a couple of the things, a couple of the argue, like the defense arguments were really silly. About nothing. That exactly. <laughs> And it didn't matter. And it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. But what's what's telling is, and what would surprise me, that's a question I get a lot, what surprised you the most, 
When he takes the stand, unlike OJ, for example, when he takes the stand, he gives a long thing. He never contradicts himself. No. So while I say he wasn't That's that smart, he's committed. he had his story down, yep. and the papers said yeah, at the time him. he was pretty convincing. They gave him a good review. Which shocked me yeah. because they had obviously judged him yeah. from day oh, one. From day one yeah. But they said, so he yeah. must have been That's really good because they did not want to write favorably about yeah. him, but they did. But he never really, like, I sort of pictured the entire time that you're describing, like, his whole interaction with everybody, that he seemed pretty unflappable. Like, yeah. he never yeah. was sweating it. He never... No. He That's what I'm saying. He was committed thing. to that story. I think once he committed the act, he was in. He was, he was in for the whole, whole, yeah. the whole game. And I think he all thought, and there was a good reason for this. I, there was a couple of cases I had written in there, and then I ended up taking them out, where guys did things similarly... Well, murdered people, let's put it this way. And they got three to five. Like, they all thought manslaughter would be the thing. And he definitely thought that. He thought, worst case scenario is I go away for five years, I don't have to deal with these four kids for five years. And when I come out, we'll see. Maybe I can sweet talk her taking me back kind of thing. Yeah, like, I felt like the whole time, like, if I hadn't read the first chapter, still I would have said... Absolutely, like he's going to get off on this. He's going to get off on this. How's he going to get off on this? We already read the first chapter. Hence his nickname, because that changed. That was not. Remember, you're in a very religious, old school New England town, and you're not going to desecrate somebody in death and not pay for that. And that had he not done that, I don't know. I don't know if they'd have put him put him down. One other thing to think about. I don't. It doesn't matter to me what you. I always tell people. It doesn't matter whether you're pro death penalty or not. I don't care. All I will tell you is in 2019, for example, a couple of weeks ago um, in Alabama, I think it was, they put a guy, they just executed a guy. He committed his crime in the 1980s. It was 30 years ago. Yeah. And he just got executed. In this case... He's at that point. July 4th, 1875, we have a murder. Then we have an investigation. Then we have an arrest. Which didn't take very long. No. But then we have a trial. Then we have an appeal. Then we have a set a date for an execution then we have a set up an execution and we have an execution in May of 1876 11 months 11 months months. they sentenced him right after the trial they didn't even wait till the next day not even that night yep that night they did it but they called everybody back and they wanted to wait they knew they'd done it and they knew they'd done it right and they knew he was the guy and they knew what they were going to do and they did it so whatever you think of the death penalty I don't think the 30 years is right No, I don't know if 11 months is a little too quick either but that's what it was in 1875 like you said they did it right the one last thing I'll tell you as to what I liked, this is just a stupid pet peeve, but I always <laughs> share it with people. So I'm a big horror movie fan, right? And like Frankenstein, I love it. I love when they go into the hills with the pitchforks and torches. Yeah. And I, I remember telling, I told my wife during my first book, I said, I swear to God, one of these books, I got to have a pitchfork and torches scene in there. But I write nonfiction, <laughs> so what is it going to do? Sure enough, the night they go to arrest this guy, it's mm-hmm. the locals. They wait till the darkness comes. That's right. And they, they don't grab pitchforks. I mean, uh, they don't grab lanterns or uh, torches. They grab lanterns. And they do grab pitchforks and rakes and hoes. And it's literally that yeah, scene as yeah. they come up through the woods because they don't want him to know they're coming up yeah. the street. And, and I'm like, that, that happened movie. in my town. I love it. I just love it. And then they go to the spot. They know where the body is. And they go there, and it's gone. Think about that moment. Yeah. Like, we, we had him. Yeah, but what the hell? Dang it. <laughs> Obviously, they find it a little while later, see, but... I am telling you this would make it great. I can see those scenes in this movie. So what did people in town think when you... Did they know what you were doing? You know what's funny? 
uh, no, again, it's pretty small. But what the when it came out, I went out there and did a signing right off the bat, and everybody. It's funny, you know how this goes in small towns. You know what you should write about, and I start hearing <laughs> about the suicides that happened in the '30s, and I started. Wow. There's a there's a war story that someday I'd love to tell, but everyone's just giving me new stuff. More, and they're all like, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, no, not yeah, yeah. You don't know anything about what happened here, and you we don't know how famous we were. Yeah. And so, seconds. yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was in, like the last days, and she, you know, his wife comes to see him. Did that yeah, not shock she, you? Yeah, that did surprise me. Shocked me. Yeah, yeah. Like, she came to see. She him. came to see him without the kids too. And how about the sheriff, life. who absolutely loves to get his name in the paper and was giving up all information, yeah. but said, "Fellas, what the husband and wife did on their last I day was, is going to stay I in the jail." I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool that he did that. I That's why I was just like, all right. I wanted Buffalo to know what was in the letters. A story in himself. Didn't you? I didn't want to know what yeah, was in the letters. Like, That's, what, what did he say? You know what's so sad now? So this is my biggest regret in this book. So in, in the course of the research, he's at the Worcester County Jail, which is now gone, torn down in the 1970s. But there's some site online that's the, you know, memories of guests of the Worcester County Jail. and <laughs> oh, There's like 13 <laughs> posts on it, but whatever. One of the posts in the middle is uh, my great-great-grandfather was killed in that jail. I have the death portrait and some of his letters, David Frost. <gasps> so you did what I did, wow. which is like, I got to get my hands on those. But I'm also, it wasn't dated. And I was trying to guess. It looked like it might have been the 90s. I'm like, is this guy even still alive? Because yeah. I'm doing the time. He would have been in his 60s or even early 70s yeah. then. Blah, blah, blah. But his name is David Frost. Put that into Google and see what happens. Oh, yeah. I yeah, can't, I can't find the guy. Yeah. Like, could your name yeah. have been uh, Jedediah Throckelsmord? <laughs> I could have well, found that's him. that's what's funny when you said that, you know, when you first said that he was from New Hampshire, Samuel Frost was from New Hampshire, I was like, oh, I wonder where I grew up with Frost in New Hampshire. <laughs> All know, over, like, though. Yeah. Such a common name. They are. And yeah. then David is, you know, David Mr. Famous. So, so I, my, what kills me is my guess is that stuff's gone. My guess is when David yeah. passed that that stuff got chucked. Yeah, and it's like that, the death portrait, because that's what they did at the time, as you guys know. Uh, someone would paint, and usually be yeah. rosy or whatever, but I'd love to know what that artist, how they portray this, especially yeah. because it would have been done after the fact. Ooh. And knowing how this one went, Ooh. what would he have done? I would have loved to have seen it. Yeah. I, but we'll never... I. Maybe we'll know. I keep hoping someday someone's going to tap on my shoulder at a book signing and say, yeah. Do you know who I am? And I'm going to take me to your house yeah. right now. Like, I, don't see it. I yeah, wish maybe because some grandchild has it in a box of papers. That, that portrait should happened. be in the historical society oh God, of the yeah, town. Totally. Like this, whatever. Look, it's been 140 years. Still, like that's, that's the most famous guy yeah. from our town, I would argue. I was, I was pretty fascinated. And then there was all the, the whole thing about the fallout. Like what happened afterward? And everybody had, like, something to say. Everybody, you know, people were, like, fascinated with the case. They wanted the guy hung. Obviously, they wanted him to hang. Um, and then, like, there's the, full, the whole fall. Like, everybody's like, well, I didn't like it, and this happened, and maybe this shouldn't happen. And everybody was sort of second-guessing it. Um, and I thought that that was... Isn't that life, though? Like, again, like, they, sure. we are all the same. Morning, morning quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And then it fades. Then yeah. we just move on to the next yeah. thing. Like, I totally love happens. the fact that the, um, like you're right, that the sheriff came out and was like, so listen, I'm going to write a letter. Because yeah. most time, 
Most well, times, you, you know, TV, you can't do a press conference. You know, well, the only way to do that, even is, now when something goes wrong, public officials are not sure. like the first ones to just pop out and go, "Let me defend myself." No. Some will, but like if you're in these little towns, we all know they're not going to say a word. It's very hard to get people to say. But this guy wrote this like lengthy letter saying, and he wasn't messing around, no, boy. He was, was like, "Anyone want to challenge me? Come get some." Exactly. And nobody wanted no, any that part was of that. A good letter. I loved his letter. It was just so straightforward. He's an interesting guy, by the way. That did not happen. That did not happen. Stop saying it happened. Two years before he dies, his wife dies. Uh, they had, a, I think, five kids, but long marriage. He's a Civil War hero in and of himself. Two years before he dies, his wife dies. A year before he dies, he marries his second wife, who's 30 years younger than him. Really? Even back then, that stuff. Yay. And I, I always wondered, like, <laughs> how did that go over? But So what was... Um, how long did it take you to write? Like, how long from, you know, where did you get the idea? Sometimes I get weird ideas in weird places. Like, I'm in the car or I'm, like, washing dishes. I mean, yeah. when did it first sort of come to you? Like, I... I started a different book, and... Was it about the fishing, like Cal? Silent no, Cal not fishing. Silent Cal. <laughs> uh, it was, there's a Civil War tombstone. You know, we get back to gravestones yeah. in my town that's always fascinating. I mean, I wanted to know the backstory on it, so I started just sniffing around a little bit. And that name, I just, for some reason, one night, his name popped into my head. And I left it alone. But then a couple of weeks later, I was researching a little bit more. And as I read something, it was sort of like a log of some events that had happened in town. And I was looking through the Civil War stuff. And this happens 10 years after the Civil War. And I saw his name on the paper again. And it just was a one line about him. And I just, like, I was sort of at a dead end at, this one particular thing I was looking at, I said, all right, rather than throw the night away, let me just look something up on that guy anyway. And I saw a newspaper clipping, and I said, hmm, let me think for a second. And boy, the more I looked, the more I... Down the rabbit hole he went Do you realize the Bothwell picture, I, I don't know how much you care, but there's a picture of Sheriff Bothwell yeah. in there. I looked so hard for that guy. And I typed his name into Google at least 100 times. And I wrote letters to the Barry Historical Society. And I wrote letters to the Barry Library. And I wrote letters to Barry Town Hall. And I wrote letters. And I, we tried everything. And nobody has them. The week before I published the book, it's all done. I don't know why, but late at night, kids are in bed. And I'm just sitting around. And I'm just on Google. And I just, for some reason... I go to one of the newspaper sites and I type his name in again and this article comes up. They had just put a new set of papers online wow, that wow. week and it had his picture in there it. There he is. And I tried so, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And of course, the way they loaded the picture in, the page is bent right through its picture. So my wife had to sort of, she's much more technically savvy than I, she had to sort of Fix him. Yes. Did a good job. But I was so thrilled because he's such a key part. My favorite part of the whole book, you keep talking about the movie now. So when they arrest when Frost. It, you know you're like, this is like. I think any writer thinks it out in the next grade. But tell that highwayman guy. We need yeah. this, right? <laughs> but my favorite scene is that Bothwell arrests Frost and says, we'll get you out of Dodge quick. We're going to go to bear. It's 3.30 in the morning. They're on a, a stagecoach, just the two of them. No one's in shackles or anything. Again, think about... We're just hanging. Yeah, right. Like, this guy is a killer, right? But Bothwell's there like, he ain't going to give me any trouble. 
They're riding down, and Bothwell decides, I'm going to interrogate him at 3.30 in the morning, pitch black. you got to know how dark it can get in Peterson. Yeah. No streetlights. And they're riding, and he starts questioning him, and Frost is lying to him, and Bothwell does not suffer fools gladly, and he's getting irritated. And finally he turns to him, and he delivers what he thinks is a mic drop on Frost, and anybody else would have kind of, okay, let me, let me tell you what really happened. Frost looks at him, and there's that moment of silence, and then Frost just tips his head back and lets out the most evil cackle. And he, I picture him slapping him on the knee like, that was a good one. And Bothwell has all he can do to not just throw him right off the stage because there's a complete disconnect that Bothwell had no idea was happening. And I just think that's that picture. And the way that we know that that happened, my wife's one comment to me, she said, I don't want to read it chapter by chapter like she did with my first book. When the book is done and we print it, I want to read it. She said, I love it, but... But. As only a wife can say, she said, <laughs> but, I, but I know you made that up for a movie purpose. I said, come here. So there's three people on the scene. There's Bothwell, there's Frost, and then behind the stagecoach on a horse, which turns out to be the murderer's horse, who he purposely lent to That's the right. coroner, to Shattuck. Shattuck is there, and all three of them in court testify to that story to that that happened. Shattuck says, I don't know what was said. All of a sudden, I hear the guy laughing, and I'm like, I wouldn't have been laughing on the way to prison, but he was laughing. Bothwell tells it in detail, and Frost says, yeah. Some, oh, I remember chilling. some version of that. He thought he was Mr. Smarty Pants, and he said that to me, and I laughed. I love that. I just, I mean, I can see it so crystal clear. Yeah. I've written, Absolutely. when we played Little League, we had to go to Barry, and we had to take that road that they were on, and I'll tell you, that's a, that, kid, that road at night, is, it gets dark. And <laughs> what, who these two guys were is just fascinating to me. So anyway, I, it's just one of those stories, a little bit personal. But as I said in the intro that you guys know, I don't, you don't have to be from Peter Sam to get it. You no. just got to understand how yeah. small a town this yeah. is. And then realize that these guys don't know what was dropped on them, but we got to do something. So what are we going to do and how are we going to get from A to B? And they yeah, do. It, it seemed that they really they had... They had no idea. Like, they had no idea how to even approach him because they, they were suspicious. Like, we know, they were suspicious. Everybody was suspicious, and it got so weird, and they were just sort of like, how? Because even police in small towns now, and we have a ton of stuff, DNA, all this stuff, they don't know how to sort of go about it. So I can't imagine these guys were way out of their element, way out of their pool. Well, I for mean, starters, this I mean, you said what would have happened today. I can tell you this, some of that evidence would have got tossed immediately. That sure. selectman that just walked onto that property through a back <laughs> and started snooping around, yeah. none of that's admissible. Yeah, that's like, admissible. goodbye. I've, and God bless him for doing that. Yeah. Crazy. And he almost got himself killed, it looked like, for a minute there. But Yeah, you can just see him, like, yeah, staring at him around the bend. <laughs> Hi, how are you? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah and then good. what yeah. do you, and you realize your ride is gone. He's yeah. not going to yeah. be back <laughs> anytime soon. So what are you going to do? You, you going to run for it? I mean, what are you going to do? But Oh, it was just so creepy and fascinating. And, like, when you have those creepy, fascinating things, the best part is it's all real. I know. That's what you got to keep telling yourself. I thought it was inter interesting and kind of funny. I was thinking about it when they came to Carrie to identify the body and she's and they apparently they showed her the skull and she was like yeah that looks like the shape of my brother's skull and i'm like when i know the shape of my brother's skull i'm like it was such a weird thing to me I, I, but that whole scene how can you imagine 
Like you just told her, okay, yeah. we know your brother has been murdered. Also, look in this sack at I this know. rotting <laughs> head. And she does. And, and when she goes, yeah, that's like him, it. they go, we're going to need a little more. Yeah. Look again. And she's like, I'm not looking again. And here's three things that I can tell you without looking. Yeah. And, and the shirt made perfect oh. sense. That's his shirt. He, because they said he wore it every day, pretty much. So he had ready. one shirt. He had yeah. two of it, but it was the same, same shirt. shirt. And yeah. nobody else wore them. So. <laughs> it was really oh. bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. This book will really keep you. So Thank us, you. Tell us about your, your other book. Yeah. Now now Chris and I are like, we need I to know. read Act in the Ashes. <laughs> I got to get you a copy of that. But yeah, no, that was, um, I, I'm in an added disaster stories. Who isn't, right? But And they, they seem to happen more and more. But but this is the stuff I read. But So I, I like Nantucket a lot. My wife and I, that's sort of our place. And every year we've been going to Nantucket, I've been, you always hear about, the Nantucket Fire of 1846. That's right. And I go into the bookstore. You book should have stores. just done Chelsea. I mean, you could have picked, you had your pick there. Two of them. That's referenced in the book, though. Oh. So the difference with that book and this book is the Akinash is, I write a lot about modern events to tie it to 1846. This one is standalone, 1875, 1876. In Axe's case, I, you know, I write a lot about 9 11, Hurricane Katrina. Um, some wildfires in California pre this year's one, but the Butte wildfires of uh, 2015. And, and I do a lot of that stuff because the big thing with like nowadays when a, when a disaster strikes, what happens? Well, first we do a telethon and we raise a lot of money and yeah, celebrities right. beg you to do this, that, or the other thing. <laughs> and then the Red Cross comes in and the United Way yeah. comes in and all the surrounding towns come in and everybody tries to help out and we try and sell, like the marathon bombing, for example. Sure. So you raise all this money and then, well, what do you do with it? What are you going to do with it? I was very lucky in my TV career to interview the guy who was responsible for doling that money out. And I had, you know, got to pick his brain a little bit and figure it out. So what happens in 1846 when there is no Red Cross, there is no United Way, there is no television or radio, there is no, hey, let's just raise some quick money. Oh, also, there's an ocean around you and anybody. Yeah. So you're literally on your own. First thing you do is you say, are we going to do this again or not? Because this, we, we're done so are we going to build this up or are we all moving? you got to make that decision. Once they decide, okay, we're going to build it up, how do you even start it? And then some money does start to come in eventually, and they do end up with a pretty nice chunk of change from people, which comes from all over the country. Uh, there's a church network that helps out. How do you dispense that? You're selectman on Nantucket, and you know, I know you. I, your daughter goes to school with my kids. Your yeah. son's on the boat with my son. How do I decide that you're going to get some money and that you're not? And what is the criterion? And they do... So I, I talk about Portland's Great Fire in 1873, Pittsburgh. Every town's had one. Fire was the, the great evil, right? Before yeah. terrorism, there was fire. Yeah. It was coming, and there wasn't much you could do about it in the 1800s. And so when Nantucket got theirs, what were they going to do? So there's a number of decisions that they got to make. And I can tell you this, when... Pittsburgh burned the year before. What Pittsburgh does and what Nantucket does is very different. They don't know each other. You know, this it's not that small a world in 1846. But New York knows them both because New York has sent money to both of them. Yeah. 
And when they send the money to Nantucket, they say, do what Pittsburgh did, and there'll be no more money. And so what does Nantucket do? So that's one of the many things that interests me there. And I, and I will just tell you this. When you go to Nantucket today, there's three key things that you would notice. One is that all the buildings are just like two stories for some reason. Two is Main Street is ridiculously wide, even, <laughs> even by 18-wheeler standards. This is ridiculous. And three is an awful lot of the buildings downtown are made of brick. That island changed completely uh, July 13th, 14th, 1846. And what is there today is is a direct result of what what I call the Magnificent Seven, the seven selectmen of that island did post-fire. And that's what drew me to that story. What did you like writing about more? Which one did you like writing more? Did you like, you know, the the sort of elaborate sweep of, you know, fire and and you, you were able to sort of look here and look at different things or did you really or did you like this better because it was like so concentrated in one sort of thing to take from beginning to end yeah very different books uh because nantucket i could write that book again and do it very differently what what ends up happening with nantucket is i give you the event and i give you the aftermath but in between there there's seven chapters of here's one story here's another story and it's almost like a walking tour of downtown nantucket i do it in a circle but I could pick, there's so many stories that I also was going to, but just for time. This one is just such a straight, uh, I was shocked at how much information I was able to find and how many primary sources I was able to find in the Frost and Hell yes, that I was able to just put it together. Yeah. And I'm just proud of this one because you got to know Peter Sam to know. If you ask me to write another a follow up a Peter Sam book, good luck. I don't know what it would be. I, I'll I'll read it, <laughs> be but much it, shorter. it's tough. It probably would be. But yeah. It's clear that you do know the community, and that I think, adds, like you said, it's, it's kind of personal. But that's I think really adds to it. These, adds, you know, you say of all of us sitting here at this table, like we're all like obviously you're from a small town, but we're all from small towns. So yeah. I think anybody can sort of relate to this kind of. It's a weird sort of, this book I thought of as more of a gift to the town. Like, I loved, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm very lucky that I grew up there, and I a lot of fond memories, excuse me. And I don't know, I, did, I haven't won Powerball yet to give them the large <laughs> donation. And, so there you go. But, you, but you this is something, which is that if you want to know something about this little part of the world, this happened there, and it wasn't nothing, and a whole lot of people that otherwise wouldn't have known about it now do so i think that's cool you know what i wanted to know after i read his introduction i want or his acknowledgments i wanted to know what your original idea was for your cover because your cover is like it's this like <laughs> red barn splotch with look like blood and this mm. great noose with the noose and the frost and hell in the middle of the noose which it's like it's so like eye-catching right away i'd be like what is thank that? my wife thanks you uh <laughs> so in ack i had very definitive idea of what i wanted i wanted I wanted Axe Front to be like, I want you to know that I wrote this in 2015 for Axe, so I don't want the historic portrait of the fire that was done years later, but they try and pass off. <laughs> and I, don't, I want you to know that I wrote this in modern, and I'm looking back at it. This one I wanted to be, look, this is 1875, this is what they wrote about it. I, I don't want to be in this book, unlike Axe. Axe cover I knew, which I wanted modern flames burning, and I wanted certain images of Nantucket buried inside the flames. And my wife said, that's fun, no. And she did the cover, and I said, yeah, I like that cover. And she said, that's it. And it was, and it is, and it's great. This one I had, and I didn't, I never had an idea for this one, 
But she kept saying, do you know what you want for the cover yet? Do you know what? I knew what I wanted on the back, which ironically, this isn't it. <laughs> I wanted three different newspapers, just like Yak, three oh, different newspaper you. writings. But the more I looked at them, the more I realized this one Daily Spy, the day after the arrest, yeah. it doesn't need anything other it than says that. It all. So I left that, but I didn't know what I wanted on the front. She kept asking, kept asking. Finally, I said, look, I, I don't know. I mean, I have a vague idea. And as I even, like, the words are coming out of my mouth, I can see her getting that grimace. You know, she's just kind of, tongue goes into the bottom lip, and she just waits till I stop talking, and then she just points to the door, like, get out. I will take care of this. And an hour later, she said, come here. And she had this. Now, she hadn't read the book. Oh, wow. She just remembered me saying that he killed him in a barn. She doesn't know how like perfect that until she read it that this image really is. Yeah. Like that looks like it is their barn floor, yeah, right? It does everything. Yeah. The only interesting thing on this, and we debated it, was the news. Because we're in 2019 and symbolism is important or whatever. Oh. I, I she said, "Do you are you sure you want to put that on the cover?" And I said, "I do because that is what happened. Yeah, and I that is a central character. And if people are upset, look." Or if they're not going to read it because of that, okay. But then for me, that's, anyway. I want it on. She said, because we can do this cover without that. No. And I, I said, no, right. I think you need it. But I think, yeah, it does. It's like, what yeah. is that? But that's the biggest funny. fight we had, just, I know I'm taking too much of your time. Oh, but, no, 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 we're no, here no. for you. So the biggest fight we had on all of this was right here. It's oh, the, really? okay. the true story of the Peter Sam Butcher of 1875. The true story of and of 1875 are in one font. The Peter Sam Butcher is in a different font. I thought you were going to say the font. I actually My wife yeah. is more of a minimalist, minimalist than I am. I wanted <laughs> Peter Sam Butcher much bigger than that. And we couldn't figure out for the longest. We went through probably 75 incantations of that. Wow. I'm not I kidding. Where does does this of go there or there? No, I like. Does Peter Sam stand alone? We had this as five lines once. We had it as four. We had it as three. We had it angled. We had it swinging. We we just didn't. Once we put it up through the thing, she's like, "No, we're not doing that." She doesn't like this either. She wanted this smaller. She wanted it in the news. She wanted it smaller, and then she's got the red backdrop on it. Which the funny thing with this is online. We did this through Amazon, and their their face online is actually much brighter than it prints. Okay. So this is the second run. The first run almost looks black and white. Um, that would have been cool. And too. so she was. It, it's but it loses a couple of things. Yeah. And then weirdly, for some reason, no matter what we did, the drop shadow on the A on the spine was always backwards, always. So the first hundred that we have, you'll notice it. I, it didn't, and if she fixed it, it would change the last L on the front cover. I we, how annoying! And it just you couldn't have it both. And I finally said, "My God, would you just print it?" Stop it. Yeah. And so she said, "I'll do the one run, but I'm gonna fix it," which she ultimately did. So yeah, here you'll so notice funny. it's normal, but it's the weird she, things she when you writing, publish. She does the designing. She would never let me do. Because she knows how foolish she would look. So to save me from myself, she's like, let me do it. But I'll do it. Yeah, I know. I thought that came out perfect. I loved it. So what's next? What, yeah, what are you question. Working, what next? are you working on now? He's like, nothing. I'm touring. You're touring. You're doing a lot of book signings. Yeah, no. Libraries, right? I got four kids, though. And uh, <laughs> so it's a time thing. I, I know. I, I could, I mean. How old are they? Eight to one. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, yeah. It's, I. 
I would know what the next five books would be if there was time in this world. But uh, for now, we'll enjoy this one. And so, do you have any upcoming? But there's probably places? another one. Yeah. Oh, I know what it will be it's if and when, but it should have been out already. Damn it! But it's just tough. It's tough finding time. You know, you do have a regular job, and then you got four kids doing whatever. Yeah. Well, give us a hint. We got Eric J. Dolan to tell us what his next project might be, would be. He's working on hurricanes. Yeah, he is. He's actually Give us a little hint. Um, you'll like it. Uh, it's, it's North Shore. It's another murder. Mm-hmm. It's North Shore. That's all I can oh, okay, say. Okay, great. We like murder. It's not that's witches, awesome. is it? All right, so here's the question we ask. <laughs> I, I thought of, uh, that's one I, I have thought of, but there's enough people have written about it. But I'm like, Bud Lay, look, I want to do my take. And you learn it by writing it, as you guys well know, sure, being yep. right. But uh, again, it, the research, it does take time. And that's hurt me a lot with the next book because I, the access that I have is very limited and it does not coincide with my day job. So it's been very <laughs> difficult, but... Someday. So do you have any, any place you're going to be? Are you going to be speaking to anybody soon? Do you want to uh, no. I, we got one coming up in Everett uh, at the public library there in a couple of weeks. But uh, we did a bunch uh, throughout the winter. We just did one in my the town that I live in now in Boxford, uh, which was really fun. Uh, that was fun because one funny thing you know about people is that this generation coming up doesn't read. And it's yeah. books are tough sells and whatever. But there was Don't a, we know. Yeah. <laughs> There was a 17-year-old uh, lady, young lady there, and I said, please tell me you're buying the book. And she said, oh, I'm absolutely buying a book. And then she told me about the 10 books that she'd read up. And I'm like, man, they need to make more of you. Yeah, <laughs> but seriously. she was a hardcore right. crime woman, and uh, she was all in. She wanted to read it. So that mm-hmm. made me happy to see. The first question I ever got at a book signing was at the Nantucket book, and she was, I think it was her 89th birthday, it was the woman that asked it that <laughs> night. I said, you chose to spend your birthday with me, and I thought that was great. The last one I did had the 17-year-old woman there, and uh, you never know. You never know who's going to turn up and what the questions are going to be. I had a, a fourth grader did a book report on my first book. Oh, that's wow. great. And it was great until you found out why. <laughs> she was in North Andover, but her house burned down when she was four. Oh. And it was a kind of an eerie fascination with fire that she has. And she has read a lot of books at her young age on famous fires. And she had heard about mine and said, I want to, you know, I wanted to read it and I wanted to meet you. And I was like, man, I, I love that you're so Actually interested, creepy. but I want I'm you to really learn, sure to get into that. baseball. Like, yeah, you know, so you never know. Please and everybody has a story, as you guys well know. So it's just a question of finding them. And then yep. f- the highwaymen. Like, how did we not know that, that story? story? That was a great okay, story. Okay, people, watch it on Netflix. Yeah, watch, yeah, watch it. I highly the, recommend the, the, We found out about the book because of our um, our editor, Wendell Waters, who who attended your box. For she was there, signing. yes. And she said, you know, I had a little wh- What she said to me was, I had a little while before. I got there really early, so I had about a half an hour to 45 minutes to kill. So she's like, I picked up the book from the library. She goes, and the next thing I knew, she goes, I was in the chair. I was halfway through the book, and he hadn't even started. And I thought to myself, I've got to, like, read this. I've got to get this. <laughs> and I was like, what is so great about this book? And so she said, it's called A Frost in Hell, and it is about a murder. This tr- I was like, I said to Chris, I was like, guess what? We're reading next. I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm in. We're yeah. in. We're in. It's good. So we always ask our guests, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading? What are you into? 
besides murder and fire. <laughs> I'm reading the best damn book right now, I tell you. I have a stack of books because I am a guy that grabs books but then never gets to them. Like, I have the Ted Williams biography that's 900 pages, but I won't get to it anytime soon. But the one I am getting to is uh, my wife and I were just in L.A., uh, she lived there for a while and always wanted to take me. I'd never been. We went out, and I'm a horror movie fan, as I told you. So one thing we damn well were going to do is I was going to go to Bella Lugosi's grave, and I was going to go to oh, Boris Karloff's house. When we got back, she ordered me the definitive book on Bella and Boris and their, not collaboration, but it's like it's a 700-page book mm. on those two guys and the rise of one and the fall of the other. And man, am I loving it. I'm telling <laughs> I do a little book club on my radio show, and I'm going to get that guy on that wrote it for October, and I cannot wait. I'm only, uh, I think I'm like 110 pages into it, something like that right now, but those are my guys. Those are my two, and this guy, this book I wrote because no one else would write it, that guy did me the service of not having to write that one, and he did it better than I ever could so far. I mean, it's fantastic. So that's that's the one that I'm reading right now. But well, I got a bunch. I got a ton coming. So uh, what kind of stuff do you like to read? Just almost like to all nonfiction. Everything? Oh, nonfiction. And completely. Uh, um, I got a book about the Titanic written by an Irish guy. That's in the mail. That's coming. I got a book about LeBron James. That's going to be next after Boris Karloff. But. Any sort of, I actually looked. We saw the Highwaymen, and I went and said, "Is this based on a book?" And it is not, oh. but it had it. I, I, I told I the writer of the movie. Yeah, I thought it would be. I, I said to the guy. Actually, I think Kevin Costner. Did he help? Did, was he one of the writers on it? He was one of the producers. One yeah. Of the producers, okay. um, I told the guy that wrote the movie, "You're gonna write, write this as a book because I know you know more than yeah. obviously ends up on screen." But I'm into true crime, and I know a lot about it. But Bonnie and Clyde have always been. I'm sort of a blind spot, yeah. and that movie opened my eyes. Like, well, wow! That's totally the flip side. I yeah, mean, it's always very Bonnie and Clyde stories are always very romanticized. It's Faye Dunaway as Bonnie. And well, even now it's still Faye Dunaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faye Dunaway. We were talking about um, my husband and I were talking at the end of that movie um, that they were not buried side by side. Um, Bonnie Parker's mother refused to let her be buried next to Clyde, Clyde. and um, but there's a spot for her next to Clyde Barrow. And the families now are saying they should be buried together. I mean, now, today, they're saying they should be buried together. We should dig Bonnie up and move her. And the guy... And the, oh, well, well, that was her wish, though. Yeah, we know that. Their, she yeah, wrote that it and wish. said, yes, we yeah. will and be... And her mother said, absolutely not. Which is an interesting uh, choice, so right? they're still sort of romanticizing this couple that were just total bloodthirsty murderers. I mean, they just killed But people. they were kids. And they were kids. Yeah. 22. Yeah. She was in, he was 23. They were young kids. That whole thing about the fire, too. Was that true? Is that yes. true? I yeah. never knew that. I cannot wait to see. They're talking about it now. I'm like, yeah, I'm I sorry. can't wait to go home. It's on my wish it's list. Good. I put it on there last night going, it's, oh, God, I, can't I mean, wait. considering it's about murder, it's, it's kind of a, a quiet movie, but it's just, it's really good. And those two guys had really fascinating law career, uh, lawmen careers. Yes, they were they like, did. Fascinating. And debated, too. There's yeah. not everybody um, thinks those guys are awesome. But. No. And they kind of talk about that. They do, and they show, yeah, it's an unflinching, it's just great. um, You don't usually get movies told from that perspective. And that's what's unique about it is, I mean, the the catalyst of the whole movie, you never see them. That's unusual. I was reading, was it Entertainment Weekly just did an article with uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, and they were basically talking about how... You know, Woody Harrelson said the freakiest thing about the entire movie was that when they shot it on the road, the road where, you know, everything yeah. goes down, 
that's exactly where it happened. This was not on a set. This was literally on the actual road, and they were filming it, and he said he was completely freaked out the entire time. They shot it a million times, and he said every time to see the car coming down the road. Oh, yeah. This is exactly what happened, and I'm standing exactly where it happened, and we're going to do it where... He said it was very, very chilling. I'll give you one little quick story on the movie, what I know. Fine. Frank Town's grave. That's not going to be easy. <laughs> it is not going to be easy. And if you find his legs, let me know. But that's what I want to... That's not If I hit the Powerball, we're going. We're going I get, yeah, the, the last question on Frost that I get always is, is there anything there to see? The house is gone. It burned down in the 1890s. Okay. There's a... I mean, I can show you the spot. There is a house on the lot, but it's much more forward. It's not like anybody has a sign out there. No. Famous yeah. murder took place. <laughs> it should be, though. It should. It should there should be. Murder. It is the most yeah. famous thing that happened there. But anyway, back to Highwaymen quickly. Um, had the good fortune to talk to the writer, and what he said was uh, Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner were unbelievable. They were great. And they also grew into the role because the guy had been writing it for 16 years. Wow. And the project had been off and on. And one of the reasons why it was off is Robert Redford and Paul Newman were going to be the guys. <gasps> and he was working with them, and Paul Newman got sick. Oh. That was to be it their trilogy. Perfect. You know, they'd done yeah, this, thing, this thing, and they'd done uh, Butch and, and Son. This was, they'd always said, we're not going to just do anything for our third. And they never did. But this was going to be that it. Would've, they would have been perfect for that, yeah. Maybe. Because would they have allowed it to be as violent as it needed to be? I don't know. You need some violence. But Costner and Harrelson were too young, he said. Obviously, yeah, he never yeah, would have thought sure. of them. But in the time, as the years they went by, they, they, they it literally Plus, the phrase Woody, Woody used. Harrelson did, was it Natural Born Killers? Which yeah, is really bonding. I thought of that. I was actually thinking that when I was watching that. I was like, oh, oh. a little foreshadow. Look what they're doing. Here. Been on both sides <laughs> of it, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, hey, exactly. we have had a lot of fun with you. Thank yes. you for coming. Thank, thank you so for reading thank my book. Thank you for sending, and our, you know, yeah, thank, yeah. You, thank your wife for us. For, she, she came out here on a very cold day with the cutest little boy, and he was in, with two books, and she was like, here you go. <laughs> she had to made her work the off. maze of this complex yeah, to try yeah, and find you guys, right and she's now. like, what are you doing to me? It's cold out here. Thank oh. you, honey. I'll bring home dinner. Yeah, you know. She was so very nice and very sweet, so thank her for us. And it's this is we we really enjoy and we really enjoyed that we were like sort of reading it together at the same time. Yeah, like, what are you doing? What are you reading? Where are you? If I can ever get the next one done, it's coming your way. My yeah. wife will drop it off. I promise. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll be more than happy to have you back in again. Done. Talk all about we it. it's a deal. Absolutely awesome. loved it. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. So we say read a Frost and Hell, the yep. true story of the Peter Which Sam Butcher. Now that I know how to browse it, at eighteen seventy-five. Amazon. Amazon is the okay. exclusive. Yes. Right. Local bookstores. No, just Amazon. Okay, a so couple. Like it, Peter Sam Country mm-hmm. Store has it, so when you go yeah, out, you'll yeah. see it. There's something else to so do in Peter Sam. check out Peter Sam, you can go to the country That's where store. I got so married, yeah. by the way. Check it out on Amazon. That's where I got married, in okay. the Peter Sam Country Store. Did you really? Yes, indeed. Did you not so. read the whole thing about the store? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Don't scold her. She's I been did. great. She, she, apparently, I did not. So we say, you know, go to Amazon, look up uh, The Frost and Hell, and read it. You're going to love it, especially thank if you're you. from the area. You're going to be fascinated that this ever even happened here. Yes. And so thank you. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, Doug. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, we will be back. Soon. Yes, yeah, yeah, soon with yet another story to tell. I'm Chris Stevens. I'm Nell Coakley. Thanks for joining Book Nation. <laughs>